the epistle for this second Sunday in Lent is taken from St. Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. Brethren, even as you have learned from us how you ought to walk and to please God, as indeed you are walking, we beseech and exhort you in the Lord Jesus to make even greater progress. For you know what precepts I have given to you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from immorality, that every one of you learn how to possess his vessel in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lusts like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and overreach his brother in the matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all these things, as we have told you before and have testified. For God has not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness in Christ Jesus our Lord. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel is taken from the 17th chapter of the gospel of St. Matthew. At that time, Jesus took Peter, James, and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves and was transfigured before them. And his face shone as the sun, and his garments became white as snow. Behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elias talking together with him. Then Peter addressed Jesus, saying, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us set up three tents here one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. As he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And on hearing it, the disciples fell on their faces and were exceedingly afraid. Jesus came near and touched them and said to them, Arise, and do not be afraid. But lifting up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus cautioned them, saying, Tell the vision to no one till the Son of Man has risen from the dead. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, today I want to talk to you about a very important topic. And this is the fact that there is a school attached to our parish. Our Lady Help of Christians Academy. And there's so many resources that go in to making this school possible. There are many of our parishioners who are involved in the school, people of talent, who have dedicated their lives, as it were, to their teaching vocation. They take a much smaller salary than they would receive at uh, a public school or a government school. We also have people who we hire from out of town who, who come here. And likewise, uh, and wanting to dedicate themselves to Christian education, take a, a bit of a pay cut from what they will receive out in, in the secular world. As you know, there are four priests here, and of the four priests, three of us are, are very heavily involved in the school. Maybe you could say for those three priests, uh, half or even more of our time is invested in the schooling. And this school, like pretty much every parish school, is is not self-sufficient. It doesn't pay for itself. The, the parish, as it were, has to subsidize the school. The school would not survive if it were not for the parish and if it were not for the fundraisers that, that we have in order to keep the school going. We may ask ourselves, why so much investment? Why, we may say, have so many resources dedicated to this goal of Catholic education? And in answer to this question, I would just like to give you a quotation. And this is how it goes. 
schools really free from any constraint so as to be able to give a thoroughly Christian education to the young will be fostered and even founded by the members of the society. This quote is taken from the statutes of the Society of St. Pius X. It is the words of Archbishop Lefebvre addressing the members of the Society of St. Pius X. He's giving them a mandate to found schools, to continue this work of Christian education. You may know that the Fraternity of St. Peter here in Denver was seriously considering founding a school recently. And, well, it didn't, it didn't come to fruition. The fact is that that is not part of the mandate, the founding charter of the Fraternity of St. Peter. I'm not saying they should have schools or they should not have schools. I'm just saying it's not something they do. It is something we do. The society does schools. The fraternity does not do schools. And that's why we have a school here. We receive this mandate from our founder to start schools. So when Society of St. Pius X priests came to this area um, to start providing the traditional mass and sacraments for the people here, what they found was already certain, we may say, pioneers um, in education, in traditional Catholic education, already here. There was already some traditional Catholic schools founded, and these people were naturally wanting to attend mass with us. And when they, they spoke with the priest, it was clear that their vision of the need for Catholic education and what must be accomplished in, in order to achieve the, the ends of the Christian life harmonized with the model of the Society of St. Pius X that was set up, the Archbishop Lefebvre. And so it was only natural over time that the society, these schools sort of be handed over to the society, and that's why we have today Our Lady Help of Christians Academy. This took place about 28 years ago in, in 1994. The school's been here since, well, it's not, well, it didn't start here. The church was not here, but it's been in this area since 1994. So having said that, I've sort of answered my question as, as to why we have invested so many resources in this school, but at the same time, I, I haven't ha answered the question. I've, I've given what, what may be called the efficient cause, in philosophical terms, the efficient cause for our school, the, 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 the mandate from the authority above us telling us um, that we need to start a school. But I haven't given the final cause, what's called the final cause. What is the goal that we hope to achieve by having a school in our parish? Well, there are two main goals. There's the immediate goal, and then there's a long-term goal. The immediate goal for having a school is the salvation of souls. That is what we're all about here, and we recognize that it's so helpful for the salvation of souls to have a school. The, the more remote and long-term goal is quite simply the restoration of Christian society. But we know that if we just came here and we only gave you Mass and the sacraments and the devotions and catechism and, and so on, that that would not be enough for your family. You may know that the church teaches, and Pius the, the 11th teaches in his encyclical on Christian education, he teaches that the church is a perfect society, the state is a perfect society, 
but the family is an imperfect society. And, and what he's trying to say about that, he's not trying to say that the family is flawed, but this is a particular language that wants to indicate that the family is incomplete in itself. It doesn't have everything within itself that's necessary in order to achieve its end. So the church has all the resources necessary within itself to achieve its end of the salvation of souls. And the state has all the resources necessary within itself to achieve its end of the common good of the populace. But the family does not. The family, God, we may say God designed the family to be a society that is incomplete in itself. Because he made us social as human beings, he wanted the family to have to go outside of itself in order to acquire all the resources necessary to achieve its ends. So the family has to live in a country that has laws so that there will be civility around it, um, that the, the country and the government will make resources available to it. You need a King Supers by you. You need a Walmart. You need CDOT taking care of the highway so that you can drive down the road. Um, you need electric plants and sewer systems so you can have a nice house and it's comfortable for your family and you don't have to brave the the, the crazy weather in, in Denver without having uh, proper lodging. And you need a school. You need a place where your children can be educated. The family does not have in itself all the resources necessary to educate its own children. Now, this statement and other things I will say in the sermon might be seeming like I'm um, criticizing homeschooling. Um, but I want to make very clear that I'm not saying that homeschooling is wrong. On the contrary, I, I admire the many families who recognize the dumpster fire, which is the public school system, which uh, corrupts children today and encourages them in evil behavior and says, the last thing I want is for my own children to be corrupted, to hand them over to these educators who will destroy the souls of my children. And so they say, what is available to me, and there's this option of homeschooling their children. It's um, a very noble thing to do if that is the only option available. And if I were to speak of something that's wrong, it is definitely um, the uh, fortunate practice of some Catholic parents to put their children into the public school system, knowing all the crazy things that are, that are going on there. You know, it was, it was a common opinion before Vatican II, when things were a lot more sane than they are now, that to put your child in a public school, if you were a Catholic, put your child in a public school without really serious reason was a grave sin, was a serious sin. And for, for those parents, all, all I can say is, you know, may God have mercy on your soul because you're, you're subjecting your child to this uh, terrible brainwashing, uh, the, the possible corruption of, of your child by subjecting them to certain bad friendships, um, the grave occasion of sins that they will encounter in the public schools. So for homeschooling parents, the situation is entirely different. Um, they precisely recognize the evils of public schooling, and for that reason, they want to preserve their children from corruption and maintain them in their Catholic faith. This is a good and worthy intention. It's a good solution when there are no other options available. But at the same time, as I say, it's always going to be insufficient 
because the family is an imperfect society. It doesn't have all that it needs within itself to achieve its end. Pope Pius XI, in an encyclical uh, Divini Elius Magistri that I was mentioning on, on education, he says, education is essentially a social and not a mere individual activity. He then goes on to make that distinction between the church and the state being perfect societies and the family being an imperfect society. And he says, it is the inalienable right as well as the indispensable duty of the church to watch over the entire education of her children in all institutions, public or private. Holy Mother Church has been entrusted with the task of educating the world. This mandate, the Society of St. Pius X receives from Archbishop Lefebvre, may say, ultimately comes from the church herself, which ultimately comes from our Lord, when he says to the apostles, go, teach all nations. The church has a duty to instruct her children. And that's why the church has been, we may say, the builder of the educational world in the Western world. The church invented, for instance, the university. There was no such thing as a university before the Middle Ages. The church kind of invented the school system as we have it today because of this vision that, that she has of her own mission to educate children and the faithful. So the school can play such a crucial role in assisting parents in their mission of saving the souls of their children. That is, as I say, our immediate goal. That's the first thing we want to achieve. It can do this because the school provides an environment that is protected and is, is wholesome, but yet it's also outside the home. It provides a society outside the home. This kind of um, gives the parents an important perspective on their children that it would be very difficult for them to achieve otherwise. Parents ha can learn very important things about their children. What sort of children does my ch child choose to have for friends? Is my child easily influenced by his peers? Or is my child able to remain strong in the face of difficulties? Is my child easily influenced? Or does my child hold his own ground? How well does my child take responsibility? Responsibilities are imposed upon it. What does my child do when he is not under my immediate supervision? How does he behave? How effective is, my, is the formation of my child in uh, what, the guidance that I'm giving it? Is, it? is it sticking in my child? When, when I see my child in another environment, does my child behave in the way that I've tried to train my child? Those sorts of things. Very, very important information for the parent. And isn't it so helpful for parents to have another authority besides their own authority that supports them and does the same things, that directs their children in the very same direction that they are giving their children? It's like having an extra ally in this work of making your children virtuous. The school, the school also provides so much for the children, an important formation that cannot be achieved at home. Um, it gives them a standard to pursue. It sets expectations for them that must be met. And it enables them to measure themselves against 
other children, to know themselves better because precisely they're in an environment where they compare their performance, their academic performance, their own behavior um, against the other children, their own character, their own temperament against the other children. It really is a process of self-understanding. Going to a school demands that children get up at a certain time each day, that they wear a certain set of clothes that you're supposed to keep track of because we have a private school, you have to wear a uniform. You expect to have your pants, you expect to have your, your tie or uh, for both the boys and the girls. You, you expect to have all of the parts of, of your uniform when you show up for school. Um, there's the, the, the children have to meet homework deadlines and they have to prepare themselves for tests. All these things are training the child, preparing the child for heavier responsibilities and duties that they will take on as an adult. Children at school, they learn how to behave in a formalized environment. Um, there is, there's a certain casual environment at home that is good and is normal because it's supposed to be a, a warm place. It's not meant to be a formal place. But a school is is meant to be a formal place. So when the child steps in the classroom, he has to learn that this is different from other places. Um, I have to sit down through the whole of the class. If I want to get up, I can't get up. If I'm hungry and I want something to eat, I can't eat right now. I will get disciplined if I want to eat right now. Um, if I want to speak, I, I can't just talk out. You know, I, told, I tell the children, you, know, you can talk, but there's something you have to do first. You have to raise your hand. I don't care if it's the left hand or the right hand, but you've got to raise your hand before you talk. Um, and this, this is very good for the child to learn those habits of self-discipline and learn how to behave in that formalized environment. Children learn very quickly. The classroom is different from other places. Perhaps um, one of the most beautiful things that can happen at school is that the child is able to form closer friendships than when they are at home. Um, they're able to form bonds that sometimes last for their entire life. How many of us had very good friends uh, when we were at school growing up? And we still have these friendships. When we had, you know, COVID and, and the lockdown and we had to sort of turn our school into a homeschool co-op where parents were just coming and dropping off materials and then... Um, you know, collecting materials for their children to do at home. We went through that period, and then, then when we were able to go back to school, one of the things that I heard most from the children, they were very, very happy to go back to school. One of the things I heard most from the children is that they were so happy to be with their friends again um, on, on that regular basis. Perhaps one of the most important things that a Catholic school can provide for the children it's for them to experience a mini-Catholic society. We're able to, as it were, incarnate in the school environment, in this localized place, the Catholic spirit. It is a domain where the rules are Catholic, where the things that are done are Catholic. And they, they look around at literally hundreds of people <laughs> involved in the school between the children and the, and the staff, and they get a sense of what it means to live a Catholic life, a much stronger sense than they would if they were just at home. And they get a sense of that through uh, uh, many aspects of the school, but, but also through the discipline, the, the rules that are enforced. When you're at school, things like cheating 
or lying, profane speech, impure speech, vandalism, all these things are identified as evil and are, and are punished. Whereas at, at the public school, you know, impurity is, is glorified and taught to the kids. Um, at, at our school, it, it's, it's going to be punished and, and condemned um, as all manner of trickery, lying, and, and so on. Children are given so many opportunities to deepen their faith and, and grow in virtue at a Catholic school. At the school here, um, we have daily Mass. They go to Mass every day. They have the opportunity to go to confession regularly. Each of the grades have, has a day scheduled for them to go to confession. Um, they have days of recollection. There's sometimes extra, extracurricular trips. In a few weeks, um, the girls and I and some other teachers will be going to, to St. Mary's for them to meet girls from other schools. Later on, um, the girls are going to have a trip to the convent to, for the veiling ceremony up in Minnesota. And these are just wonderful experiences for them to enrich their faith. Of course, they're also able to be taught religion by the priest from grades 5 to 12. Uh, their instructor in religion is, is a priest. And it is a nice occasion for the students to have a more personal contact with the priest than just through the sacraments, which are very formalized. Um, and, of course, receive that, that religious instruction at a deeper level. Last week, Father McBride was, was mentioning how sometimes it's, there's, there's, a, there's a type of healthy temptation for us. Uh, it's just part of our human nature that we need difficulty. We need, we need a certain struggle. And there's, there's, there's bad temptation, but there's also a certain good temptation. Um, bad temptation would, would be out in the world where you're encouraged to do sin just for sin's sake. Um, there's a certain malice in it. But the good temptation is, is when, a school, when a child is in the school environment and they have to make certain choices. Um, they know the rules and perhaps there's uh, some bad influences around and there's going to be consequences if they give in to them and they are tested in their own virtue. If they've not done their homework... Are they going to lie to save face? My goldfish ate my homework. You know, something, something like that. If, if a fellow student invites them to cheat, entices them to cheat, are they going to take that offer up? Are they going to say, no, no, I'm not going to cheat? If certain demands are put upon them in a form of, of a workload, certain responsibilities, are they going to do that or are they going to be lazy? These sorts of challenges are very fruitful for sharpening their virtue, calling them to a higher standard. It's often through the strength in their faith that the children receive at their Catholic school that they're able to persevere in the faith in a godless world. This is the ultimate achievement that we, we hope to accomplish, that when the children graduate and they go out into the big bad world, they will be able to remain strong in their faith because they've received such a solid foundation in this mini Catholic society that they have here. Besides all these things, and I mean, there are so many things, and, but I don't, I don't want to go on until the beginning of the school day tomorrow morning, so um, I have to stop somewhere. But, but there, there is one thing that I haven't touched upon um, that perhaps you thought, well, maybe, why hasn't he talked about this? And this is, this is the question of the academics. It is, it is very nice for the children to have a lot of different teachers, some, uh, many of them who have degrees in, in whatever they're teaching, um, and who have dedicated themselves to this 
effort, this teaching vocation. And they're teaching a curriculum that has been developed um, by the Society of St. Pius X for the schools in the United States. So it's a, it's a collective collaboration between priests, nuns, and lay folk. They, they built a curriculum. They said, what do our children need to receive precisely so that we can achieve the goals of Catholic education? And so they crafted this curriculum, and that's the curriculum that is taught to our children at the school. So in the end, my, my dear faithful, um, if we have a, a school here in Watkins, it's in spite of the fact that it requires a huge investment. And then we've measured the investment, the huge investment that it's take, it takes to have the school, and we've decided that it's definitely worth it, that the Catholic school, in a sense, is worth it no matter what the cost. It's almost like no matter what the cost, it's definitely worth it. There were two special fruits that Archbishop Lefebvre expected to come from the society's schools and that almost he predicted would come because after that passage I quoted in the statutes, he says the following, from these schools that you will found will come vocations and Christian homes. And we can definitely say after 50 years that this prediction has been true in spades. So I ask you particularly today to invoke our patroness, Our Lady Help of Christians, who has a special connection to education. You know that um, St. John Bosco, was he was wanting to found the Salesians and get approval from Rome for starting the Salesians. And the whole point of the Salesians, well, the main point was to educate boys. Um, he had such a great rapport with boys. So he was going to Rome, but it seemed impossible that he would get approved for, for his order. Um, they were giving him like a 5% chance of, of getting his order approved um, for various reasons. But when he got to Rome, um, he, he started talking to a cardinal who was, who was very sick, and he said, I will pray that Our Lady Help of Christians cure you. And the next day, the cardinal was cured, and the cardinal said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support you. I'm going to get your back in, uh, with the Pope. And then the same thing happened with a second cardinal. The second cardinal was also sick. So finally, he gets to go to see Pope Pius IX, and he's there talking to Pius IX. They have a long conversation about his projects and everything. And, and the Pope at the end, he says, you know, I think this looks pretty good. This is pretty good. But there's one thing that I want you to do. You got to go talk to Monsignor Svegliati. And if you can get him on board, then I'll approve your order. So the first thing that St. John Bosco did, he went to go see this Monsignor Svegliati. And lo and behold, this Monsignor was sick as well. It seemed like God wanted all these people to be sick <laughs> so our Lady of the Christians could cure them and uh, St. John Bosco would get his order approved. But but he said the same thing to Monsignor Svegliati. He's like, look, I'll pray to, to Our Lady Help of Christians, and if you're cured, can you, can you get behind me on this project? And he's like, sure. So the next day, he was cured by the intercession of Our Lady Help of Christians. He got his order approved. So um, we also must want to pray to Our Lady Help of Christians that this enormous effort that we have here in this parish that it bear very good fruits um, for the long-term future, especially in Christian homes and religious vocations. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.